The reading this morning is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a festival of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by the covered by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lina. Um, I love John's detail, and uh, it's great. I actually went to that very place just outside Jerusalem, and uh, it's a lovely place of peace and healing. Vicky, thank you. <coughs> Morning, brothers and sisters. So, as Peter just said, Bethesda. Two pools, one next to the other, and a colonnade around. So if you imagine these columns, double these columns, and then a shelter across the top. So the colonnade would have gone around both pools, and then there was a a column down the middle as well, which would have provided shelter from the sun. So it was a, a place of peace, 
but also a special place for those who were waiting for healing. So Jesus has gone from one healing to another, from one miracle to another in this um, John's gospel that we're in today. And we've been looking at various aspects of Jesus and his word. Um, and last week we were looking at his word to the official, the royal official, when he came to ask for his son to be healed. And you remember Jesus spoke that the son would be well. Even though the son was not there, he was far away, 16 and a half miles, about as far as Stoken Church, as we said last week. He was far away and yet he was healed like that. Not because he heard the word, but because his father had asked. Today, this story, Jesus speaks to somebody and commands that he get up and walk. And at that moment, he is cured. And yet this man apparently doesn't even know Jesus. Doesn't know his name. Presumably has not even heard of Jesus. And we would assume has never seen him before. It's a Sabbath day. A day of rest. A day for the Jews um, to be refreshed. I looked up in Exodus um, where um, the Lord is first giving the law to Moses. You remember? And he, be, he begins to explain more and more what the law is for and how it works. And there's a passage in Exodus 31 about the Sabbath. And verse 17 says this. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. Because in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. If the Lord were to do all his work and be rested and refreshed, then it implies that that is for us too. So we can assume that the Sabbath day was being celebrated as a time of being rested and refreshed. And yet we hear here in this passage that Jewish leaders don't see it quite like that. They spot the man coming away from Bethesda towards the temple and they see him carrying the mats that he would have been seated on for how many years? We don't know. 38 years he's not been able to move. So presumably he's had these mats for 38 years. Probably not the same one because it would have worn out, I think. But he was carrying the mat. And what were the Jewish leaders wanting to challenge him about? His healing? No, the fact that he's carrying a mat. Where was their focus? I think probably on themselves. Perhaps if they'd asked about the healing, it might have been shameful for them because they were not the ones who brought the healing about. But this Sabbath day is meant not for the law, but for the refreshment of people. Do you remember Jesus in Mark's gospel? He says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
the, the Lord has given us the Sabbath time, the time of rest for us to be replenished and refreshed. Not the other way around. There's a verse missing in our reading today, and it's verse 4. So it goes in the NIV from verse 3 to 5, and it uses a subtext in verse 4. The reason being that we think it was, assume, it was local knowledge and understanding at the time, which perhaps later on didn't, didn't last because it's in the past tense. People used to sit around waiting for the healing. So it's something that happened possibly at the time um, when John wrote the, his gospel or possibly afterwards this text was added. And the text is this. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters in Bethesda pool. The first person into the pool after each of these disturbances would be cured of whatever disease they had. Quite a thing for people to wait for that opportunity. We have no record um, as such now um, of these um, stirrings or how often they occurred. Were they daily? Were they weekly? Were they monthly? Were they yearly? We don't actually know. But the people around the pool had seen other people being healed. I would love for us to consider our own stance in this story by using some Ignatian type storytelling prayer, which is where we enter into this story and we meet and and see Jesus in the story. So I'm going to invite you in a moment just to use your imagination with me to do that. But let's just remember that Jesus is a stranger to this man. This man who, we don't know how long he's been waiting, but he's been a cripple or an invalid for 38 years. The fact that he said, no one is there to help me into the water indicates that he is alone. He is a lonely man. The fact that he says, someone else goes ahead of me means there was some sense of competitiveness between the people that were there not even not an order of of what one helping one another into the pool but but just whoever can get there first i wonder how he felt when he got up and started walking and we know that he went to the temple because jesus later found him there and challenged him challenged him he'd been healed and he was well and he was restored again to his full health and Jesus's challenge to him is as Lina spoke stop sinning 
or something worse may happen to you. Jesus warns us. He gives us warning for our benefit, for our good, for our health. So let's picture this place. The Bethesda pool. Maybe, maybe you've been lucky enough to go on a spa day somewhere where some of these swimming pools have these colonnades around them. But this would have been a warm day. Picture this. Perhaps you've come into this place as an observer. You want to see what's happening. You want to see if anyone may be cured or the waters may be stirred. Or perhaps you've come into this place because you have need to be cured. You see this man lying there on his mat, alone. But there are others there too. You may see people you recognize waiting for healing. You may notice the smell of the place. You may notice the warmth of the place. But then you notice Jesus comes into that place. And he's talking to a few people. He seems to be asking questions and looking around. Use your imagination. Wonder. What's he asking? Jesus sees the man on the mat who's been there, apparently, as he's just been told, for 38 years waiting. He wanders over to him and he asks this question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? What if Jesus asked you that question? You hear the man reply. Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus says to him these words. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And what you see next is astonishing. The man gets up for the first time 
in 38 years. Then he bends down again to roll up his mat. And he picks up his little bag and his mat. And he walks out of this colonnade, out into the streets of Jerusalem. I wonder if Jesus is going to talk to anyone else before he leaves. I wonder if he will ask anyone else that question. Do you want to get well? I wonder what he's asking you. Perhaps there's someone there that you know has been waiting for healing. And in your heart, you are longing for Jesus to go and speak to them. Just watch. Just watch as he goes. He may be a stranger to them, but his word brings power, life, restoration, eternity, healing, strength. Get up, he says. Pick up your mat and walk. What if they don't? What if they stay put? Worried? What will happen? What will it do to my life? What will I have to do to get food if I'm not here? How can I cope with the change? I wonder how many times we are worried about responding to Jesus' word because of what we don't know, because of the unknown. This man went out. We don't even know how old he was, but if he's been an invalid for 38 years, he was getting on in those days. He went to the temple Presumably to give thanks, which is a great thing. But on the way, he encounters these Jewish leaders who are concerned of their own authority. Who was he then more concerned for? Himself? For Jesus? For the leaders? For people around him? Perhaps his concerns changed when he had to justify the fact that he was carrying his mat rather than saying, I've been healed. I need to carry my mat. 
I need to take my mat away. This is a good thing. The Sabbath is for good things. Instead of pleading with them, he points and says, well, it was the man that told me to pick up my mat. It's not my fault. How often do we do that? Divert. Even from the good things, we sometimes divert the attention away from us. But Jesus comes directly to him in that temple. Again, he speaks directly to him. The exchange of, see, you are well. You are. It is. It has happened. You are cured. But he may well think to himself, well, I, I'll keep my mat and I'll go and sit on it because that's what I'm used to. No, Jesus wouldn't want that. He doesn't want us to take our mat and sit on it and because that's what we're used to. He had to start a new life, this man. A new life. He had to start a new way in his life. Everything had just changed for him. He may even gain friends this very day. Everything has changed for him. When Jesus speaks to us, everything changes. So when we listen and obey, not just our lives that change, but those around us begin to change. It's inevitable. We're going to have a time where you can bring those people who need healing. It may be you. It may be somebody else. We're going to have a time to come and receive Jesus' word. I love the fact that there's no one way that Jesus heals. And as soon as I begin to theorize or make a theology of healing or or how Jesus this or how God does this or that, he comes in and says a completely different way he shows. A completely different way. We don't have to have a sorted theology to receive. We don't have to have it all worked out to receive. We just need to have open hearts to receive the word from Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that Jesus walked on this earth And that his words brought about life where there was previously death and sickness. We thank you that that same Jesus took our infirmities upon himself on the cross and put an end to them there and then. 
And we thank you that death could not hold him down. But he, the son of God, was raised to life again. And he is now with you in heaven. And we thank you that you have not left us to work it out alone. But you have given your spirit, the same spirit that was in Jesus, the same spirit that is God, you have given to us. That we might have the same power in our lives. And Lord, where we have closed our ears, where we have closed our hearts because of our unbelief, would you forgive us this day, right now? And we turn and we open our hearts to you, Lord, that your word may dwell in us richly and powerfully as your word of life and fullness, and healing, and power. And Father, would you give us the courage to obey every word that you have spoken to us. Let us not forget your word or fail to do what you have asked us to do. But we commit ourselves to obedience to you in the name of and the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.